Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff. And me, Tom Webb. It's the 25th of August 2016. So last night I was in the pub and... You went to the pub without me. I know, it's shocking, isn't you it? Went, who were you with? Well, um, I might have been with the, the other Tam. The, or the other Tam. Yeah. Or the more interesting Tam. And, and the funnier Tam. Is he better looking than me? Uh, he is, isn't he? No. Just say it. Well. Uh, right, he, fuck it, I don't know. He's, he's just different, he's just different. Oh, he's just different, right, okay. And, and maybe Fraser as well, Fraser. Fraser, and, oh, Fraser and Tam and Anthony all went to the pub, right, okay, well, just I'll just go and fucking shoot myself in the face then. Well, <laughs> well here's the thing, they're not libertarians. <laughs> oh, they're, and they're not even libertarians, right, you find non-libertarians more interesting than me, I I'm, this is shocking. I'm just saying. I'm going to have to take some time if I can, you know, digest this. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, they kind of cornered me at the end of the night, and I drank a little bit too much to make the case articulately. But they were cornering me with a vision of a dystopian future not too far away, where Tesco's automatic machines have put everyone out of work. And so that everyone's poor except for a small group of people who've got all the wealth and all the machines. And this seemed to diametrically be opposed to Fraser's other argument, which was that in a poor scarcity society where machines do all the work so people don't need to work unless they choose to, everyone will just have lots of children and the world will get overpopulated and will fuck the planet. So what do you think about that? Well, let's take his premise and say that it definitely does create a situation in which people have a lot more leisure time. I mean, I, I'm I'm a person, I'm one of these weirdos. I fucking hate work, right? I can't. It's something that I just have to do. I don't love to work. I work to live, right? You know, and I can't wait for one of the reasons I do the, the sort of low end job that I do is I get a lot of time off. Four, I work four days on, I get four days off, and I, I enjoy the, the time off, and I can do the things that I want to do. So. The, the prospect of having a lot more leisure time uh, sounds good to me. So it's not right. really the, the lack of work, but it'd be the lack of available cash flow and money in order to live. But let, let's give him his premise and let's see if we've got nothing to do. And we all want to just have sex. I mean, it's going to be great because obviously we're going to have women in the future who are a lot more keen to have sex, apparently, according to this dystopian view. I don't know why it's dystopian. I, I don't understand why more sex would necessarily equal more children possibly by that time hopefully i mean i don't know why we don't have it already but by that time hopefully we've got the male birth pill as well i mean i've had the female birth pill since what 1960 i don't know maybe before that and that was a liberating moment for the female gender i think the, the the next great leap is the male birth pill. I don't know why nobody's invented well, that right, yet. Well, right at the moment, they tend to make people infertile, so they've, okay. not, they've not quite got it yet. Um, they, they test them on older men um, because they're not going to have kids anymore. Wow, and, I wish I'd uh, have known right, that. They've, right. not, they've not actually managed to, to create one that Well, if you do test, you if you do make male birth pills and you're looking for somebody to test them, I'm perfectly willing if you can also supply the other test subjects <laughs> as well for me to knock myself out with. <laughs> that would be great. I'm, I'm, I'm at the front of the queue for that one now because I don't plan to have any more kids. But anyway, sorry, Anthony, carry on with your diatribe. Well, it wasn't quite a diatribe, but Okay, so, yeah, I hear what you're saying about leisure time. I really value my leisure time. I actually work a job I love now. I'm a counsellor, as some people who listen to this know. And 
I really love my work. I don't work a huge number of hours, but my work's really rewarding. And for about 10 years of my life, I was basically in voluntary... I'm not going to say poverty because I wasn't... We've already talked about that on episode 8, which, by the way, if you haven't heard, check it out. It's one of our best episodes. I was voluntarily, let's say, poor, didn't have a high disposable income, enough to pay my bills and to rent my house, but not huge sums of money, didn't go out drinking very much or anything like that because that cost money or sometimes even went out and didn't drink cut the right back on the hookers yeah <laughs> well <laughs> and the coke yeah mm-hmm. so maybe if maybe if it was being offered around by someone else but basically because i really valued my leisure time and i liked studying as um playing the piano and then i started teaching piano and i taught piano for about seven or eight years again not a huge number of hours but It was a good wage and it was enough to get by. But I just wanted that time to study and to pursue my interests. I read a lot. I watched a lot of videos. And I think that's one of the reasons why we can do such an interesting show. Because we are both knowledgeivores. Like, we both love learning. And they're the kind of people, if we come across a subject that we don't know very much about, we're not likely to just learn a little bit about it. We're going to go full. We're going to binge. Yeah, we're going to binge. Like, when I discovered (laughs) Stefan Molyneux, Alfie Cohen, Warren Farrell, Nathaniel Brandon... Keith Chegwin. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) where are you, Keith? (laughs) These people blew me away. So what I wanted to do was learn all their core concepts, learn all their key insights, and I binged on them. So that's an option, you know, to have more leisure time and work less, or you can choose to work more and have less leisure time if you value the money that you get from working more to spend. So when we talk about this post-scarcity society, which I think we're moving towards, some people want to do this with some kind of socialist way, like centrally plan using the government to advance machinery as fast as possible to take away labour from people so people can just chill out. You're sort of zeitgeist or the Venus Project. I don't think that's ever going to work for this reason. You cannot speed up progress faster than the free market is going to do it. I would say that that's, the, that's like light speed. There's, it's the speed limit for advancement. Right. <clears throat> like It's a physical law that if you bend a vessel out of shape, you can never increase the volume of that vessel. If you take a plastic bottle of cola and you scrumple it up, yeah. you can never increase the volume of the bottle by doing that. Right. You can only decrease the volume of the bottle. And I think it's the same with the advance of machinery. On a free market, the allocation of resources will fall to those people who are going to use them the most efficiently because if they don't use them efficiently, that business will go bankrupt, those resources will come onto the market and someone else will grab them Mm -hmm. uh, who thinks they can use them properly. Now, if you try and do that using the government, any mistakes will take a long time to fix and they will affect the whole economy. It's not adaptive. Right. Right. So, I mean, basically, Fraser and uh, Tam were postulating a Luddite point of view. 
Right. Was that basically what they were saying? Or were they just saying, look, that's what's going to happen? No, they weren't. I don't think they were afraid of the machines. I think they were afraid that some group of capitalists would own all of the machines and everyone else would have a poor standard of living. Now, that just doesn't make sense because what do you have the machines for except to produce things for people to buy from you, right? Yeah. So what are they going to do with all those machines? If, if they own all the machines, like there's no one to, everyone else is poor, there's no one to buy their products, right? See, if you look at machines, if you look at the robots the same way you look at slaves uh, in the bad old days, whether it be slaves in the southern states of America or slaves in ancient Rome or slaves in Greece, slavery kind of died a death in, in Rome because economically it became unviable. And I think in the southern states of America, you could argue that slavery was on its way out anyway. It was. Because it was economically unviable. If there's too many slaves, who's going to buy products? Nobody's got any money. Everybody's fucking skint because they're a slave. So how, could, how are they going to buy stuff that people, other people produce? One of the reasons they wouldn't allow slaves in the new territories, which was what the, ostensibly which what the, the, the whole civil war was about, um, I say ostensibly a lot these days, don't I? Hmm. But anyway, I wonder who got that from. Yeah, well, oh, well, so you invented the word ostensibly, did you? Right, okay, wonder, right. I'm just wondering Heard how it, it entered your, your <laughs> uh, everyday right, parlance. So on the face of it, it was <laughs> on the face of it. It was about uh, slaves in the new territories, and it was a. It was actually a racist point of view. What they said was, we don't want blacks in the new territories working for buck fuck all. And keeping whites out of jobs, right? We don't want blacks in the new territories at all, whether they're, they're, they're slaves or not. But we just we want those we jobs that are going. We don't want them to outcompete because they'll work for nothing. So these fears are actually nothing new. But getting to the point about whether that will cause a massive population boom in which the planet becomes overpopulated, would I be right in saying that from even Malthus and maybe beyond, every projected population boom? Maybe with the exception of no, even with China, because nobody predicted the one person policy, one one child policy. So they've always been wrong. These projections, bomb the population explosion. Yeah, an economist had a bet with the economist that wrote this book, I think in the seventies or something like that, saying there was going to be this horrible overpopulation thing, and the guy who wrote the book lost the bet. Yeah. So sorry, I don't know if I interrupted you, but to pick up on your point. First of all, there's a big argument to be made that the reason why the Romans never had an industrial revolution Mm. is because they had so many slaves. Now, what's the point in inventing machines to till the land and to increase your output? What's the point in... (laughs) If you can't sell it to anybody. But also, if you've got people doing it for free, Mm. if you have to pay your labour, then there's an incentive to invent machines because they'll be cheaper than paying workers so your romans they were very good at building infrastructure and things like that but they never really advanced very far in technology and there's an argument to be made that's that's partly because when you've got free labor what's the point in making machines so slavery sets humanity back on the overpopulation point a lot of people who believe that overpopulation is a myth and I count myself as one of those I don't think it's population that's the problem it's how we deal with our waste 
So, yeah, and allocation of resources and land. Yeah. yeah okay. So right now we have markets when it comes to acquiring property, yeah. but we don't have markets when it comes to yeah. disposing of waste. Yeah. So there's all our waste is basically an externality. Yeah. No one has to pay for being wasteful. Mm. So that doesn't create the correct incentives to reuse yeah. resources and stuff like sustainably. But I, I digress. So the thing with the population thing is people might get, uh, who agree that overpopulation is a myth, might be snide about Malthus. But Malthus appeared right for a long time until the agricultural revolution. This is Thomas Mal- Just for anybody who doesn't know, Thomas Malthus, from which we get the term Malthusian, which yeah. kind of views the human race as a problem. Yeah. And, and well, you know, he, he just... He didn't, but he I think didn't, his... But yeah. his People, subsequent, sub, subsequent, exactly. Yeah. He believed that there was going to be an exponential growth in uh, population, and this was going to create mass starvation. And it looked like he was his predictions were right until people invented the machines yeah. that allowed them to grow more food. So the problem is not with Malthus; it's with these acolytes yeah. that continue to propagate this anti-human yeah. view yeah. despite the fact that Malthus was proven wrong. I'd be right in saying the entire population of the planet could fit quite comfortably into the state of Texas. I've heard that as well. If we want to live the, the way they seem to want to live in Manhattan Island, I don't really want to live in, in high-rise no. flats, but if you wanted to do that, probably the entire population of the planet could live in Manhattan Island reasonably comfortably. So I think that's even given each yes. people like a, a, bit, a little bit of land to, to mess around in as well. There's ways that we can go through this. We haven't even begun to explore the ocean beds yet. There, there's ways we could actually populate the ocean beds. We could populate parts of the ocean. We could populate Antarctica. We can populate the deserts. What the Mars. fuck, I ask you, is the point of sheet ice? Right. You know, what, what, what possible use does it fucking perform? What is the point of deserts? You know, okay, they look beautiful, you know, they've got a certain kind of beauty, but what do they actually do? Are they any good to humanity whatsoever? But although some people actually manage to live there, mm. you know, and some people, if you took them out of a desert and put them in another environment, they wouldn't be very happy. So I don't share the modern Malthusian horror of uh, overpopulation. I don't think it's going to happen. I could be wrong, but even, I mean, what is overpopulation? Can anybody say for sure what... what what yeah. the actual number is of overpopulation. Well, they think that there's too many of us already. But, yeah, But I exactly. would just say that the idea of permanent population growth mm. is debunked. You can check out Hans Rosling's documentary on the BBC called Overpopulated. He says the studies predict that the world population is going to level off at 11 billion and start falling. Matt Ridley in his book, The Rational Optimist, says 9.5 billion, which is even less, Mm. then it's going to start falling. So people don't need to be worried that we're going to keep on growing in population size forever. Now, if the population was half what it is now, Mm. we would lose out on either Beethoven or Mozart. You take your pick. Yeah. We would have lost out on either Isaac Newton or Albert Einstein. Yeah. You know, take your pick. That baby that you don't want to be born because you think the population is too high might invent the next invention like the memory stick, which yeah. saved more trees than any environmental activist yeah. 
that be... Or may invent the male birth pill. Or, yeah, good tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. Or may invent the next solar panel that's seriously economic. So you can't say a priori until we have a sustainable way of running, and we're going to do a, a show on the environment with our friend Cass Paul from the Scottish Libertarian Party, so we'll probably circle back to this. This is really interesting to me because one of my friends posted an article saying David Attenborough said that human beings are a plague. I like lauding him for it. Did he have any particular no. human beings in mind? I mean, he might be right. I mean, Adele, okay. Kylie Minogue. Well, some some humans might be, but then why does the state allow them to be parasitic? But that's another argument. But I'm just like, why is this cool? See if he said black people are a plague or Jews are a plague or whatever. People would be, oh, that's shocking, that's racist. Not but even it's that okay bad. If he said seagulls people... are a plague, people would have been up in arms. Yeah. 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 It's okay to say all people are a plague. What a dickhead. I'm I think s- indeed he did say that. Well, you can look it up. Okay. What occurs to me is it's so sad that these people don't acknowledge that human beings are the most fantastic, complicated thing the world has ever created. This brain we have is the most powerful supercomputer on the planet. And we've not even really learned how to use our brain to the full potential. After thousands of years of having it, we're still only starting to discover what this mind is capable of. And technology and our learning and our knowledge can only grow exponentially. So, I mean, all the knowledge that we have now is only going to grow exponentially in the future. We benefit from other shows that have done similar before, like Stefan Molyneux's show or Tom Wood's show. We've sort of assimilated those people who've done good libertarian broadcasts before and added our own elements to it. But most shows, I don't think, were as good as our show was when they first started. To bring this back to the machines, we're only beginning to find out what this mind can do. Mm. When we formulate that and learn how to teach people properly, we can create a million Bachs, we can create a million Newtons, Maybe not everyone can be a Bach or a Newton, but everyone can be something wonderful. But we just, we've just only began to scratch the surface. And that's what's going to happen when machines are doing all the menial labor. The only business of humanity will be to deal with other humans. And it's going to start this way. The more machines take over menial jobs, people will start becoming chiropractors, cooks, software engineers, artists, because there's going to be no worky work. There's only going to be work doing something face-to-face with another human being, and those are more rewarding jobs. What will happen is when the machines are making all the products, the price of those products is going to plummet Mm. because you can't continue to offer that product at a high price when it's a highly mechanized system and if you don't cut the price yeah. one of your competitors will so all the stuff's going to get so cheap murray rothbard has this great example of the law of economics says human wants are unlimited resources are finite and he says that's always going to be the case until the moment where you just imagine a coke and it appears in your mouth right right a coke 
Yeah. Right. So okay. They, they, <laughs> thank they, God for that. <laughs> so, okay. Thank, no, it's okay. Thank, you so, have me worried there for so people should not worry about mechanization because what mechanization or automation does is it destroys unskilled jobs. That's true. But what it does is it frees people who are doing those jobs up to get more fulfilling work. And there's no shortage of work to be done. The NHS waiting lists aren't too short. Yeah. Classroom sizes aren't too small. Yeah. There's no shortage of trees that were cut down during the Second World War for fuel that don't need replanting, right? Mm. You know, yeah. there's there's shit loads of work to be done. Yeah. So people should not worry that because Tesco's jobs are being replaced with auto tellers that there's no work to be done. There's loads of work to be done. It's just our workforce has not been taught to have the skills to do it. Okay, um, agreed. Um, and on uh, that, so we, we, we'll we go move, on to move on to the next topic. I thought I really enjoyed that. I thought that was an epic topic. It's kind of it's there's a it's like a lot of the topics we discuss. It, it, it needs a lot more uh, a lot more discussion, and we'll do that when we get together with Kaz. Uh, we'll discuss the environment properly, and that's one of the ones we'll delve into. The, po- the population uh, situation is one of the, the ones we'll delve into quite uh, quite comprehensively. Uh, moving on, I'm going to read an article that's in today's Metro, and I find it disturbing. Now, as you know, I'm quite critical of Islam, or certainly what seems to pass for Islam. I know this is a big debate that we're going to have as well. I think you're on safer ground saying Islamism. Okay, we'll call it Islamism, right? I'm highly critical of it. However, I don't think this is an issue about Islam. I think this is an issue about personal choice and liberty and freedom, okay? It's a small piece, but it says, you know, covered up mum is told to get off the beach. Now, this is in France, okay? I'm not French. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't, you know... What the French do in their own house is entirely up to them, right? They can fucking be cruel to geese and fucking eat sparrows and shove things up their arse. Whatever whatever it is they do, that's in their house. And hopefully the French will do me the same favour and they won't be telling me what to do in my house, right? It's all good. However, I just think this is a bit disturbing, so I'm going to mention it. Okay, covered up, mum is told to get off the beach. A young Muslim mother was ordered off the beach in Cannes and fined for covering up. Right, three armed officers pointed a pepper spray canister. In the t- I mean, I don't know if this is true, but this is I'm, I'm going to going to go with it. Right, pointed a pepper spray canister in the 34 year old's face and told her she was in breach of a new rule outlawing swimming costumes that cover the entire body. Right, so not even an Islamic swimming costume, any kind of swimming costume that covers the entire body. The woman identified as Siam said she was not wearing a burkini but that the, quote, racist officers wanted to humiliate her in front of her children and family. Quote again, I wasn't even planning to swim just to dip my feet in, said Siam. Today we are not allowed on the beach, tomorrow the street. The former air hostess of Toulouse accepted an on-the-spot fine of £9. Okay, that's... I, I, I don't know what the French think they're, they're achieving with that. I mean, who gives a monkey's... She's on the beach for crying out loud. Now, was it a private beach? You know, and the, the law is you have to go about with your tits out, you know, and your flaps down. I really don't know. I don't see the problem. What if you just want to be fully clothed on the beach? You know, you just don't want to 
maybe you're shy or something. I, I don't think this is a... It certainly is a, a, an issue about Islam because the French have made this quite a liberal law that you're not allowed to wear this stuff. And on the beach, we're kind of... I can understand, you know, in a pub, in a place like um, a bank right. or a... Or when you go through yeah, passport yeah, control, yeah. like you know, you've got to show your face, whatever. But on a beach, and three guys, you know, one of them's armed with a billy club there and a gun, and you know, is is that really a, a good use of police time to force somebody to get their kit off? You know, you you're not wearing enough clothes on a beach. Are you shitting me? And is it? Do they think? Do the French? I mean, that's picture. The narrative beside the picture tells the story, but when you look at them both together, it's quite disturbing. And do they think this is going to make Islamists in France more or less enraged? You know, they've humiliated one of our women on the beach. They're telling her that they can't, that she can't wear hijab. You know, if this woman's wearing this thing by choice, and she clearly seems to have been, who the hell are you, I, or anybody else to tell her that she has to wear a bikini or get her tits out or anything else? So I think that's kind of disturbing. What do you think yourself? And, and I, there's some people here in this country who advocate that kind of fascism. There is. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's like a, <laughs> like, we'll show, like, we'll not let them do, we'll not let them yeah. wear, because it's, it's a, you know, this is a British country, so we won't let pe- them wear what they want, and then they'll yeah. know who's boss. I mean, what's next? Goths? I mean, uh, seriously. I mean, if you can decide what somebody cannot uh, can and cannot wear on a beach, a pub- uh, is it a public beach? Is it, a, it doesn't quite say whether it's a public beach or whether it's a private beach. It doesn't say that. So I guess if it's a private beach, they would have every right to say, look, we just don't let ginger people yes. on this beach. Well, and I'd be for that. It wouldn't be for the police to get involved. It would be for whoever owns the beach. Yeah, to yes. sort it and, out. And if you don't like their rules, you can boycott that beach. Yeah, absolutely. So I, it doesn't say, I mean, I'm guessing a beach it can, I'm guessing it's a public beach. But if somebody knows any different, I'm sure they can tell us. However, on the other side of absurdity, the flip side, I've heard a story, true, I think you've, you showed me this article, that the Scot- police Scotland are going to introduce a hijab for Islamic police women to in order to, to recruit more Islamic police women. Um, first of all, you'd have to explain to me why having more Islamic police women as opposed to Islamic police men would be a good idea or having any, this kind of social engineering within the police force that it somehow should be reflective of the community. I don't know if there's any evidence that that somehow makes the police force better, but maybe it does. So they're going to introduce a hijab for police women, uh, Islamic police women, and in an effort and a recruitment drive for Islamic women. Now, I don't know if that's going to be successful in, in even getting women. Now, what, sh- there's probably a hell of a lot of, a lot of Islamic women in Scotland who would like to be police and don't want to wear mm. a hijab. Well, they don't have Have to. they thought about that? Mm. Well, I, I don't know if they have. If it's uniform, I guess they will have to. Mm. Maybe. I, I mean, that, this is the whole point. The whole point of a uniform... Is Guess what? Uniform? Is that it's uniform? <laughs> and you know, we had this 
this this discussion comes up. I mean, in the past, it's been Sikhs when they've wore turbans. And I know in my regiment in the British Army, the guards, we traditionally wore bearskins. And somebody was exempt from that because they wore a turban. Right. Uh, they said, well, this, look, I'm a Sikh. I must wear a turban. My personal viewpoint in that was, well, don't join the guards because you have to wear a, a bearskin. The, the whole, either have a uniform... I mean, what, I tell you what, why not encourage more gays to join by having little short hot pant type things, right, for gay policemen? Okay. <laughs> right? I'm sorry, you know, pink. How about a pink uniform for, for, for gay policemen, right? I mean, is uh, that, uh, am I getting ridiculous here? But I think it yeah, is kind of ridiculous. Uh, well, I'd, yeah, I'm ambivalent. When I first what about saw gothic that, policemen? When I first saw... Well, it's black already, I suppose. It doesn't really matter, yeah. <laughs> When I first saw it, I was like, you know, what the fuck? Why are they doing that? And now that I've now that I've had time to settle down, I'm, okay, I'm I'm not I'm not really against it actually because I don't I don't see the harm. First of all, the number it still looks like a police uniform. The number of people who probably take it up will be dis- diminishingly small. I don't know what you do for a Jewish. Uniform, I guess you could have a black, <laughs> a little a black and white checkered yarmulke. You could do that, I suppose. But it depends. You get Orthodox Jews, you get Liberal Jews. I mean, what, what, I mean, you know, what would you wear if you were a policeman? Well, I'm completely secular, right? Okay. So I would just, just confuse everybody. Wear the <laughs> normal. I'm, I've not really got any faith, so right. I don't know. The permutations are endless of what kind of uniforms you could have. But and it suddenly doesn't become a uniform anymore. It does. I mean, I like wearing colourful clothes, so I yeah. think maybe I should be able to get a colourful police yeah. uniform. Yeah, okay, anyway. I only brought up the second one because I think it's a bit ridiculous, but the first one definitely it just sounds like fascism to me. But uh, interested to hear your points of view on that one. Next item on the agenda. Apparently... The wage gap. <sighs> this is a zombie, isn't it? No matter Jeez, how many things you shoot it, down. You'd shoot it to bits and just... Or, or vampire, I mean, you, you drive the stake of reason and logic right through its fucking heart. And yet, it rises again to fucking stick its idiotic teeth in your throat. The wage gap... In the news again, front page of the, 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 the Glasgow Herald apparently, you know, they've done another study and guess what? Women who take time off work to have children lose out because when they get back into the workplace, they're paid considerably less than men. Now, I, I don't know if you know this. Okay, if you're not familiar with the term patriarchy, patriarchy according to the Feminist Encyclopedia is a worldwide political and cultural system by which men are advantaged at the expense of women, okay? So what it effectively means is, I don't know, me and Pan Samarov here and a lot of other men, we get together once a week and we meet in secret cabals and we dress up as goats. Well, I dress up as a goat. Uh, You don't even want to know what Auntie Samarov dresses up with, but it's rather disturbing, okay? Yeah, I did work hard on that one. Yeah. So I'm certainly disturbed. We get together in this secret cabal and we draw a massive circle and a big cock in it on the floor. A big hair, a proper one as well. A proper big 
you know, like you used to get drawn in one of your textbooks at school or on the wall of a bus, on a bus stop or something. We draw a big hairy cock on the floor and we all do the goat dance. And then after that, we all have a rant about women. What do you hate about women this week, Anthony? Oh, they're always raking in their handbag for ages for their keys and then they find them in somewhere else, like, you know, whatever. And then we, de- then we decide about ways in which we can keep women out of the fucking workplace, keep them down, and keep their wages low. It's horseshit, okay? The patriarchy's horseshit. The wage gap is horseshit. I'll say it again. If you could pay women less than men, why the fuck would any company in this day and age, okay, when companies go to the wall for less than 3% margins of, of profit, Why would anybody employ men in any capacity when you can get women and pay them less? Okay? But apparently, it doesn't matter how many times you destroy destroy this wage gap, it keeps coming back. And you can gerrymander it whatever way you like. I could actually make a study and say, look, I can conclusively prove that bald men get paid less than men with a full set of hair, just depending on how I manipulate the figures. You know? So, what what do you think about this one, Auntie? Why does this myth keep going back? I mean, admittedly, they've changed it around a little bit and they've rejigged it. At first they said women got paid less than men uh, for the same work. And then it started getting debunked. And so they said similar work. And then that got questioned. And now they say, oh, men who say that women get paid less because of their lifestyle choices are ignoring the fact that those lifestyle choices... Are influenced by the patriarchy and and by social circumstances. Right. Well, so it's basically the the patriarchy's fault. Our, Our entire human biology in which women are designed to have children and designed actually to look after them because they have breasts by which to give breast milk. Right? Right. That very fact of nature is actually the fault of the patriarchy and we perpetuate it. Yeah, well, you take your choice. Look, supposing that I was going to go into a relationship yeah. and I said to my girlfriend, my new girlfriend, look, um, at some point I might decide to disappear for i don't know anywhere from between nine months and 24 months and i'm just going to do my own thing which has got nothing to do with you for a while and then i'm going to come back and i expect you when i come back to get the same treatment as i would get if i'd been a boyfriend who hadn't disappeared for two years yeah right she tell me to fuck off why is it any different for an employer, right? Yeah. They've got a business to run and they have got to make their decisions based on how they're going to serve their customers who depend on them for services. It's just like any other relationship. I know left-wing people believe that the relationship between an employee and an employer is somehow different from other relationships it's not it's a voluntary relationship if you're benefiting from it you stay in if you don't go and get involved in a relationship that you do agree with if you don't have good working conditions and stuff like that become more useful become a more valuable person i swear to god highly skilled people 
are never in want for a job. There's mm-hmm. lots of employers who are headhunting them because it's never fucking crowded along the extra mile. Okay? Yeah. So, basically, if you've got shit pay and shit working conditions, get some skills. Yeah. But I digress. I think what's behind this is they want to force paternity leave on fathers. In other words, we, women are disadvantaged by having children and they want men to share some of that disadvantage. Okay? They want men to say, okay, well, I'm going to take the exact same time off the work as, as my wife or we're going to share the time off work and I'm going to look after the kids. The problem with that, as far as I'm concerned, is man- with mandatory paternity. That forces a situation in which, let's suppose you get a couple... It's far more productive for one of those people to remain in full-time employment than it is for the other, whether it's the male or the female. And they decide between themselves who's going to take the hit and who's better off staying at home with the kids. When you make mandatory paternity or even mandatory maternity, which, you know, this this reminds me of the of the of the statement by John Paul Sartre's girlfriend, um Simone de, Beauvoir. Simone de Beauvoir, who said that women should not allowed, right? It should be illegal for women to stay at home and look after children because too many of them would want to do it, right? So it, this is a, again bringing the the government and no respect for autonomy. There is absolutely no respect for autonomy here, and it's again feminism says we want women to be able to make their own decisions and, and do and what they like they but only them. when they choose decisions that actually we like in other words a woman can be anything she wants as long as it's a CEO a scientist yeah. or a politician take your choice of those three things under no circumstances be a stay at home mother or run your own business but you have to do one of those four things and, and eventually what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to force women to be CEOs, force women to be scientists, and force women to run their own business, or force women to be a politician. Otherwise, where are they all going to come from if they don't want to do it? Well, that's the thing. If you actually ask men, a lot of men will say that they would rather take more time off work and spend more time with their kids. Yeah. But most women want to spend time with their kids, and most women value their leisure time and there are other non-work commitments more than men do. So, yeah. for example, I heard it quoted that when women in the States earn, say, $500,000 a year, they will tend not to take any more promotions if the promotions means longer hours. They want to spend time with their friends, time with their kids, time with their partner. Whereas a man very often will take that promotion. And if anything, you know, we could say, well, there should be more edgy, you know, there should be more impulse for men to learn from women to get a better work-life balance. Okay, I'm open to hearing right. this argument. So basically, the world would be a better place if men were just more like women. Well, I, I don't know. I think that there does need to be a shift in the way that we as human beings assess the value of our responsibilities. Right. Because for most of our history we were living in a much larger degree of scarcity than we are now. And this drive for more stuff, more... Right, the the mind has a habit pattern, which is that it it seeks for something to fulfil itself, and sort of the non-dualist philosophers talk about this. 
right? Now, when you get that thing that you're working towards, you suddenly feel this, oh, relief, this feeling of achievement. It doesn't last for very long, and then you want something else as well. Now, the thing is, that feeling of relaxation doesn't come from attaining the goal. It actually comes from the cessation of that pursuit. The pursuit was making you unhappy. Yeah. So very soon dissatisfaction sets in and you start wanting to pursue something else. Does this mean that people should stop pursuing goals? No, not at all. But they need to learn that pursuing these goals isn't going to fulfill them. And so the pursuit itself must become an end in itself. Yeah. You, know, you pursue things that you... You do things that are hard and you don't like because you think it's a worthy thing to do or you choose to do things that you do enjoy. Yeah. You know? So, sorry. I, so, I, anyway, yeah. I mean, the only thing I want to say to wind this up because uh, I've, got, I've got better things to do this after <laughs> sit and talk to you losers out there. Sorry, no. The What I want to wind up by saying is I despair. You know, I despair that this thing keeps rearing its ugly head I actually despair at the BBC I despair at the press and I despair at fucking Radio 4 especially who always regurgitate this shit and they never ever have anybody competent to give the other side of the argument they never do it they just take it as read and they just regurgitate this stuff and they never critically look at it in a balanced and equal way you know, and that's a bit ironic considering the whole thing's supposed to be about equality. Um, so shame on you, Radio 4. Shame at Glasgow Herald, you fuckwits. And yeah, I despair. Just to give people some of the alternative views, so in case you get into one of these debates, you're well armed. It's only when you take into account the 13 most important variables which most of those studies fail to do. Yeah. For example, mm-hmm. some of the studies will compare men and women in full-time work, mm-hmm. not realising that anything above, say, 37 hours or something like that is considered full-time. And you'll actually find that when you control for the number of hours... The men will be working four or six hours on average more than women. And they just go, oh, that's both full time. They might not take into account the fact that men will work more overtime or more weekends or unsociable hours. So that's how bad some of the studies are. Yeah. When there's other variables, number of hours worked at that job, level of education, willingness to travel, years experience... And going on to the patriarchy, if we live in a patriarchy, why is it that men do 98 to 99% of the most dangerous jobs? Why do they do most of the unpleasant jobs? Why are most of the safest jobs, like secretary and receptionist, done by women? Why don't we draft women? Why do we draft men? Yeah. Why is it that we have an education system that teaches more the, in the style that girls learn than boys yeah. learn? Why is corporal punishment boy punishment? Why is capital punishment man punishment So, in, in most instances? There's all these sorts of imbalances that nobody... And also, and why, why when you look at uh, net worth, why is a never married woman in her 30s usually her net worth is much more than a never married man in his 30s? And also, yeah. in a market economy, 
Power is not with who has the money. It's with who spends the money. Now, if you go into a shopping centre, you will find the vast majority of shops in there cater cater to women. women. I heard that both men and women spend seven times as much on average on personal goods for women as on personal goods for men. So... When these people say, and I'm sure they believe it a lot of them, that women have no power, I've heard feminists that I've known say that, women have no power in this society, they're spending seven times as much money. That has has a massive amount of power, plus the point where I think that men's behaviour is highly shaped by what is interesting to women in that culture. One of the reasons why there's more sports coverage of men's sports than women's sports is because one of the ways that men compete for a mate is by being highly skilled and competent, such as in sports, such as in business, such as in music or entertainment. Women do favour that. So men going to the Olympics to prove themselves. I'm not saying that women don't also have to compete for mates. They do, but in a different way. In a different way, in a different way, not by being highly competent. So, can I just say that women, you've got a lot lot more power than you think, and if you want to change the world, realize that power and start using it to create the kind of world you want. Just remind that the next meeting of the patriarchy that we have, uh, when I do dress up as a goat, just remind me to go around and boot everybody in the balls because we've really went to sleep on the job. You know, because we've had two female. Ministers now, you know how the fuck did that happen? You know somebody's getting a kick in the balls for that one at the patriarchy. Have you got anything further to say? Yeah, women, if you want men to be less patriarchal, favor less patriarchal men in your romantic decisions, and you'll have a big queue of. Man. Don't say that. I can fucking find it hard enough to get my hole as it is. You know, fuck, you? Yeah, exactly. You know, what the fuck, dude? Right, yeah. Yeah, just ignore that last Ga- bit. Guys, that a lot of guys will become whatever they think will get them their hole. <laughs> okay. And that's slightly, uh, some would say, sexist note. Uh, we don't give a fuck, do we? You guys be cool out there. Until the next episode, uh, be a libertarian. Don't be a lefty. And don't be a righty. <laughs>